let's acknowledge the good friends of the Law Party Podcast, the Majestic Restaurant and Pendergast Club, 931 Broadway in Kansas City, Missouri, the J. Rieger Kansas City Distillery. Oh, so good. Now onto our regularly scheduled program. It's not getting in, getting in. All right, welcome everybody out there to Good Times with Good People Company proudly presents the Law Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. Please subscribe to the Law Party Podcast on YouTube, Facebook, or SoundCloud. Be sure to tell a friend you've received your invitation, and welcome to the party. Uh, I'm your host and panel moderator, Rio, and let's introduce today's panel. Our returning champion, of course, Chris O'Connor, co-owner of Liquid 9 Broadcast Media, we have Dave Elliott, a.k.a. Big Dave, owner of C&P Construction. Uh, Brian Massey, uh, with his few days left as a data analyst uh, at DST Systems. And we will update you on his new job because that uh, sounds pretty exciting. And, of course, the anonymous female because she doesn't want you to know her name. So, today, I decided... Um, instead of just straight saying these are party favors and these are party files, um, we're just going to go through the list. And as we go through each one, we'll decide a party favor or party file as a group. Uh, I got one thing to start off though with the anonymous female. Yes. What's wrong with the name Raquel Welch? Why do you have this issue with Raquel Welch? I did, who said I had a problem with Raquel Welch? <laughs> 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 okay. Well, everybody out there, Dave's still an honor. Everybody wanna... out there, Dave got his wife back, so <laughs> Yay. he's happy. Hey, you know what? I, I actually had an update from, I had homework last week. You did. You did. Uh, so that, that was regarding the uh, privately run prisons. Mm. Um, and so what's interesting is, from what I found, is there are not very many studies and mm-hmm. I was talking to the anonymous female about that. She made a good point that, well, yeah, if you're running privately, you don't have to share any of your data. Well, unless you're a publicly traded company, you wouldn't. Would these be considered publicly traded? Sure. I mean, some of them, I'm sure. They, maybe they Same could Same way be. that, for example, oh, yeah. Edison schools for a long time were a publicly traded stock. You'd have to share your results quarterly. You know, yeah, so it, like that. it would be interesting to maybe take a, a deeper dive. So I was... Just looking through any studies that may have already been uh, conducted, and I found one that was by the Wisconsin School of Business, uh, and they found uh, prisons in Mississippi from 1996 to 2004. Uh, prisoners served 4 to 7% longer than inmates serving in similar sentences in public prisons. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. It is. Um, Money. So this is the first... Uh, study to compare uh, the serve time between public and private prisons. Uh, let's see. Did they say any other factors like uh, overcrowding in public prisons potentially being a reason or things along those lines? So to the reason, um, what they suspected is so first of all, uh, they were talking about how often people would be released, that sort of thing. They said, well, it's the payroll boards that decide, and those uh, are not affiliated necessarily directly with the prisons. It'd be the same people that are at the private or public prisons. Uh, So they're the ones that decide uh, whether a prisoner should be released early. Uh, So what's interesting is they they suspect that with the private prisons, they do whatever they can to cut costs, which would include hiring less experienced guards. And then those inexperienced guards may be more inclined to hand out violations to inmates, which then affect the decision on whether they on should the be released. On the program side? Yes. Got it. It's actually interesting because we were watching, uh, not that this is, you know, uh, empirical fact or anything, but we were watching um, Orange is the New Black, and uh, this season kind of deals with that. And uh, and that was exactly the case on the show. Mm-hmm. That you know, all these new inexperienced guards were, you know, handing out shots and violations way more rapidly than the experienced guards, and um, and and they were much more uh, aggressive towards the inmates, um, which of course, you know, begot aggression and uh, uh, back from the inmates. So, um, 
So that actually is actually very interesting information. It seems. It doesn't seem all that different than being like a new cop on the street trying to prove yourself, you know, all that kind of stuff versus a veteran who's like, eh, I've seen all this before, like, let's go after the important stuff. I don't know. So yeah. I, you see, I think you see a lot of that in every profession. Yeah, exactly. And then, so there, there's some data to back that up a little bit, which is that uh, those inmates in private prisons are 15% more likely uh, to get an infraction. Hmm. So, okay. All right. So what are we thinking? Party favor? Party foul. Oh, that's a that's, party foul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, now, and, and now we know how this is going to work. <laughs> so first thing I had on my list for this week, uh, 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 yesterday, uh, excuse me, the 28th, was that yesterday? Anyway, was the 53rd annual uh, anniversary of the uh, March on Washington and the I Have a Dream speech. Uh, of course, for those out there in podcast land who are not aware of your American history, um, that is where uh, Martin Luther King um, led uh, 250,000 people to gather on the National Mall uh, in Washington, D.C. Um, at the time to protest the um, the treatment that you know that black people were experiencing in America at the time, basically and Jim Crow laws. Oh yeah, absolutely. Basically, what it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just I just thought it was interesting that uh, that it that it that it fell right in time to do a podcast, um, and I definitely wanted to make sure that I mentioned that. And uh, in in closing today, um, I'm going to, uh, instead of trying to find some quote out there in the world, I'm actually going to read an excerpt of the speech that doesn't always get read, that, uh, you know, I think everybody, you know, remembers the end of the speech with the free at last, free at last, but I think that was uh, something that I felt pertinent to what's going on in today's society um, that he spoke about earlier in the speech. Um, that I'm going to share with everybody. But um, with that being said, 53rd uh, anniversary of the March on Washington, party favor? Party foul? Party favor. Party favor. Party favor. All right. Martin Luther King, uh, for me, was definitely a hero of a man. <coughs> he, he wasn't perfect in a lot of ways, but none of us are. And, but he had the power, he had the speech. I think he had a godly way about him. I think God gave him power. I really do. There was something there. Amen, brother. And he was able to bring people together and work both sides of the fence. Absolutely. And, make, and get an understanding of what he wanted. But, you know, as a white guy, I look upon it as he really had it right. He just wanted equality. Yeah wanted equality and it worked in a lot of ways because there's a lot of people that have, uh, of color that have come forward and, and done amazing things and done well in their lives and we have more and more people that are more successful and they're bringing up successful kids and, and you know that it's it's a long slow process but they are working their way out of it now on the opposite hand we have you know problems like we have in Chicago and things like that and so in some ways I think Dr. King would be very proud of where we are, and in some ways, I think Dr. King be rolling over in his grave. It's it's a yin and yang situation <coughs> for me. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Uh, I don't think he'd be proud of an Al Sharpton. Well, and that's what I wonder. Do you do you feel like in any way uh, the message of Dr. King and in, in the civil rights movement in general has been hijacked by? <coughs> uh, I don't know. Jesse Jackson, and and that. And it's too bad. I would say to some degree, Jesse Jackson, which is horrible because he did literally was a good friend and marched with Dr. King all the time. In fact, yeah. I believe he was there when he was shot. Yeah, yeah, he was. So you see these guys have maybe, again, once you start lifting the laws, you know, so they, you have Lyndon Johnson who came on with the Civil Rights Act and the Fair Housing Act and all these things. 
all of a sudden what you start fighting for, you don't want to become irrelevant. And so you start looking for anything. Right, right. So right, now right. instead of just be, being, hey, we're fighting for an equal opportunity, all of a sudden it's becoming, now we're fighting, now we're for, fighting the spotlight. for Yeah, just silly well things. Well said. Yeah. Fighting for the spotlight. I, I never have really thought about that way, but that's a good mm-hmm. way to put it. They're, they've become hucksters in ways. Mm-hmm. To a degree. I mean, in 1964, you were honestly arguing for the right just to vote. Now, the biggest thing that you can argue about is, well, do I have to show an ID when I vote, or not really? You know, I mean, it's just a little, it become, it became trivial. I mean, it, it, to, to a certain degree, but, you know, there's bigger issues. There you go. That was a well hit, though. All right, fighting for the spotlight, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we, uh, we've already declared uh, party favor on that. Uh, uh, and and uh, so, I also thought it was, was interesting. Um, so, yesterday's anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech. And also, uh, Michael Jackson's birthday. I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting. Um, Why did you find that really I just, yeah, well, I'm always... Um, Significant dates and significant people to history and culture. It seems like these dates seem like they fall very close to one another, and I always wonder what that means if if it means anything. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it just I thought it was interesting that uh, the 28th was the anniversary of the March on Washington, and the 29th. Uh, is Michael Jackson's birthday? I just thought that was like the the the, the proximity of the the. It, it just makes me wonder about how how things connect in ways that we can't see you know readily, and uh, so you know you know Michael being you know another. You know, another figure in you know in pop culture anyway that was you know a, 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 a hero to some and you know wacko jacko to others you know and uh, I mean me personally I haven't heard that in a long time yeah you know, <laughs> you know me personally I've uh, I've always loved Michael you know I've, you know I I've never has it been eight years that he passed that's about right because it was only yeah yeah. yeah. Because I grew up in the 60s with Jackson 5 mm-hmm. on TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we listened to the Jackson 5. I mean, that was one of the, one of the cartoons we had. And, and of course, we had Soul <laughs> Train. So we'd watch American Bandstand and see what was going on in the white world. And then we'd listen to watch Soul Train and get up and learn how to dance. So, <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, so you, you saw this kid and you seen the talent in him. They were a fun group to watch, and they seemed to they were a family group, so we liked the fact that they were a family. But the bottom line was that they destroyed him. You know, the, the family, actually, the family, the family brought that up. The family destroyed him. Because, you know, I always and, thought... And the managers and everybody turned him into what it was because they didn't allow him to be a to, child. To be a kid. Exactly. And so psychologically, it just it destroyed him and turned him into the wacko jacko he ended up being. And, you know, I don't ever think he was really a hateful person, and I don't think he ever truly meant to do any children harm. Yeah, I think he, he was trying to be he, a kid, but which what he, he never got to be. But what he did at his age made it inappropriate. 
No, absolutely. I, I fully agree. I think he was trying to do things that you would do as a kid, but of course you're a grown man. So I was th I was thinking about you know, and we, we talked about one day we were talking about uh, Justin Bieber, and we were saying you know Justin Bieber's done. You know Justin Bieber, right? <laughs> He's done all of Is this. Is that the Michael Jackson of your Michael Welch is all over him. What's up with that? Whoa. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> I was kidding. I was kidding. Yeah, we were just saying that Justin, you know, has had so many uh, kind of trials and run-ins, and and you know, like what is wrong with him? And I was like, what's wrong with him? He's twenty years old with a hundred. Well, at the million. time, it wasn't yeah. even twenty. Same thing. Yeah, he's, he's twenty with a hundred million dollars. I'm like, that's going to skew your perception. Your brain's well, we've, so we've if, talked about that so here. So if you think if you're five or six, right? Oh yeah, and and you are the definitive breadwinner for your family. <laughs> At that age, you gotta be fucked up in the head. Like you gotta be. I I couldn't imagine you not being. You, you know, at least. Well, it's just not it's that a lot not of that it turns you stars. into a pedophile, but I think that it, that's, but it stunts your mental growth. Listen, I think what the difference is, I think Justin Bieber is incredibly selfish. She's just a young, spoiled kid, just doing dumb shit like all of us would have done with a hundred million bucks at age yeah. twenty. And yeah. Hell, I did at twenty with no money. <laughs> with no money, you know, but <laughs> hell, that I would have retired at that point. I, Man, I, yeah. I feel very differently. I feel I put Michael Jackson and Woody Allen in the same category where. I can respect you as an artist, I can respect your artwork, and you disgust me as human beings, and I would never do anything to support you or anything of the kind. I think uh, pedophilia is probably one of the most disgusting crimes in the entire world. You have scarred a child who will never get over it, period. And I do think he meant to do harm. And that or he wouldn't have been serving them Jesus juice, as he was calling Maybe it. that was done to Michael, too. We would never know and that. it's possible. I think and that's so, strongly possible. But... Uh, he, he knew better. I mean, that, I think he that's clearly the, knew yeah. he knew to do better, and he was actually inflicting massive harm on kids, and I think he knew it well, yeah. and did it on purpose and thought he'd get away with it. I mean, it's, it's repulsive. So while I can completely step back and go, man, phenomenal artist, would never lift a finger to buy a record. To, I wouldn't even listen to it on Spotify. I wouldn't even stream that crap anymore. Just go okay. away. You just made me sick. Okay. Well, I say so. Oh, it sounds, it sounds same, like same, same with Woody Allen. No, but I understand. Yeah, but I understand. I understand where you're coming from. I guess I've never been. I've never. And 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 it could just be because I was such a big fan that I didn't want to believe. But I've never really believed that he that he did anything to the kids more than, you know, had getting them drunk on a private airplane and. Sleeping alone with them. Yeah, well, this the that's well, that's what I was gonna say. I think the the whole slumber party thing happened definitely, but I'm I'm torn if that if I believe he was he was doing it to do something harmful to the kids or if he just was still trying to be a kid. You don't why know if it was sexual or not. Yeah, and I get. Why are you serving wine out of a coke can to a child on an airplane? Yeah. No, I. Okay, I can I just that is can we just back up though? That's inexcusable. I mean, and there's a, you only do it for one reason. Whatever he did was not right. Okay, but what was wrong with these parents that let their kids spend the night with a man that didn't have children with him? I mean, why that? I, I I'm not yeah. excusable. It goes, goes in a lot of places but, that way. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm, I think I'm, there was a lot of wrong. It wasn't just him. Bit, I agree, but we're not talking about friends. We're talking about him, uh, who should have known better. He's an icon, uh, had everything going for him, you know, and mm -hmm. to pull off something like that repeatedly, and I believe it was a, a systematic, repeated offense on multiple children, uh, is just, I can't ever get behind that in any way. I find that the, the most disgusting crime in the world. So it sounds like we may be quite split on whether this one is a favor or a foul. Yeah, this one's a foul to me. All right. So yeah, I uh, I kind of go foul on that. I mean, I, I with, definitely with a heavy heart, I go foul. It's a foul. 
I would be willing to believe <laughs> the weird, oh, I was just having sleepovers, and yeah, it was awkward, but not inappropriate, up until the point where you're serving them wine and a Coke can and trying to get a kid drunk. Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, you're, you know exactly what you're doing. This is a systematic thing that you have going on. Not okay with that. All right. So, with that being said, finally, we can leave Earth. Or, so scientists think. Um, there has been, uh, outside of our solar system, uh, a planet found, uh, Proxima B. Um, it's a, it is, it orbits a dwarf star, Proxima Centauri, that it's bigger than Earth, um, but it, it is said that it has enough of a climate that it could support life, they think. How long does it take to get there? Well, it's outside of our solar system, so... The better question is, does it have oil? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, well, I think we're still trying to figure out if it has... Um, anything. Yeah, anything. But it's, uh, it's saying it's 25 trillion miles away. So oh, 4.25 light years from Earth. So it's it just a, it's a, it's a small, well, we have, we have, it's a small we trip. We travel at the speed of light, right? Yeah. I mean, we do have like <laughs> no. No, we light can, we speed and warp drives, don't we? <laughs> in, 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 in movies. Single greatest headline I ever read it was from The Onion. <laughs> NASA discovers distant planet located outside funding capabilities. <laughs> I think it's so brilliant. <laughs> that is funny. And I think that's exactly what it is. It may very well be fully habitable and just outside of funding capabilities. billion dollars short. So... Uh, planets that we could possibly move Is that to. The and business contingency for all the um, the the one percent. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> They'll pull their money yeah. in and, and but say, hey, figure out how to get a bridge there. Well, I say we're going to Proximo B. I don't know about <laughs> y'all, but we out of here. <laughs> so, do we think the discovery of such a planet is party favor? Or party file. Yeah, it's a huge party, party favor. I would say party favor. Find out more about our universe. It's incredible. It is. It is actually very incredible. I because uh, my name's Dave, and I want to go cruise with Hal and go see Jupiter. You know, <laughs> and, and then I'm going to enter this fantastical world with different things out there as I flip through it while uh, doing hallucinogens. <laughs> <laughs> And Hal's going to talk to me in this nice, calm voice, Dave. Dave. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, we talked about on the last podcast that uh, uh, Hope Solo uh, did did a little angry uh, tweeting and uh, and said some things she should not have said about the uh, Swedish team uh, calling them cowards and the U.S. women's soccer team uh, suspended Hope Solo. Uh, for I want yeah. to say uh, for a month. Oh wow! Um, Ooh. Oh, yeah. statement. Six uh, months. In so, the amount of time it takes them to recuperate from the Olympics. Uh, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, pretty much. So I was thinking. Yes, I was thinking they probably should have suspended her for the unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, Thirty days just didn't seem like that was very much to me. Yeah, that's a but, favorite uh, foul. <laughs> but, uh... She can still play, though, in the <coughs> private leagues that she's in, like, the FCKC League and all that kind of stuff. Uh, she could. She could. But she's yeah. not going to play with the Seattle... Seattle Rain. Seattle, uh, is that the name? I think the Rain is the... Uh, yeah, Sounders. Yeah, 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 yeah men, men's and Sounders. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I so she's not playing with them? No, she's not going to play with them for a while. I think she took a leave of absence from them, too. Uh, yeah, she probably... She needs to take a leave of absence from everything. Yeah, yeah, she you know... She needs to do what Kanye did and go to another country for a little while and lay low. Calm down. <laughs> they will kill her Another question is a little too full. She needs to go to the um, mountains or something. Yeah. So, so I guess uh, the question is solo at that. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I guess the question is, uh, it hope so. We we can do this one of two ways. 
Hulk Solo or Hulk Solo getting suspended? You, you, it's, well, you, you have it down as so, so Hope Solo so that would be a favor. So Hope Solo getting suspended, party favor. Right. Hope Solo in general. Right, right. Party foul. Yeah, Hope Solo right. in general, party foul. And you met Hope okay. Solo, right? <laughs> she, uh, strange story, she but my wife had a flower shop down in Westport. And right behind it, so it's in the building where the Tivoli is and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So the building that connected, or the office that connected to hers, was a giant dance studio. So when she was in town promoting Dancing with the Stars when she was on it, they actually used that space, her and her partner, to train for you know Dancing with the Stars. She was getting ready for the show and stuff. So she was there for about three hours, and my goddaughter loved soccer and was a goalie. So Paige immediately calls Alwan and says, oh my god, Hope Solo is like right next door. Do you want to come down and meet her and try to get an autograph? All right, all right. Someone refused to sign oh, her goalie wow. gloves, told her to get lost that they were practicing for Oh, that is horrible! To get out. Well, you know when she was on, yeah. <laughs> you know when she wow. was on Dancing with the Stars, she was, she was having all that, pro- all those problems then too. Yeah. The same stupidity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was like a complete a Yeah. So. The construction industry, we we have a saying: you can't stop stupid. Party I think that foul. I think that's just a thing in life. Well, unless you got accused of beating the crap out of what her sister or whatever, mm, something yeah. like that. Yeah, somebody, a family member. So they said there's a uh, the governor of Maine. Um, <laughs> so he got some as 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 the laughter starts. You know, everybody already knows the story out there in podcast land. So the governor of Maine, he I don't he gets criticized. For um, wait, let me let me find it. Um, okay, so he was doing he was doing a speech, and during the speech, he said that uh, you know he had kept this uh, like binder full of mug shots, mm-hmm. and uh, and that ninety uh, percent of them were were blacks and Hispanics. And uh, amongst other things that he said, um, like in Maine, yeah, really? yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, amongst other things that he said, and uh, and uh, so the governor, uh, uh, da, 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 da. oh, so uh, Paul, his name, this this, this gentleman, Paul LePage. He basically said that he thought that what he was saying in, in his speech sounded racist. And so this guy, <laughs> the governor of Maine, calls Mr. LePage and leaves him uh, a very colorful voicemail that went something to the effect of, um, I want to talk to you about your comments about me being a racist, uh, you fucking cocksucker. <laughs> uh, 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 I, I want you to prove I'm a racist. Um, I spent, I, I have spent my life helping black people, and you lying son of a bitch, socialist cocksucker. Um, as he continued to uh, berate him with expletives, uh, I am after you. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I wasn't going to do anything, particularly political, on uh, today's podcast, just because the last couple three have been dominated by it, but um, we were talking about um, having a level of decorum holding office. Apparently, this guy lost his damn mind for a minute. <laughs> Dave? As a former residence of the state of Maine, yes. <laughs> the Maine governor is the lowest paid governor in the union. Ah. His wife actually waits table at a restaurant because I don't think he makes something like uh, I want to say it's eighty thousand dollars a year or something like that, which is not nothing to sneeze at. But but as a governor, as a well, governor, it's not goes. much. But so what does that goes. have to do? And, with well, because if you have never been to the state of Maine and understand the people in the state of Maine, mm-hmm. he's right in charge with the rest of them. That's exactly how they are. They don't suffer no fool gladly. They're going to tell you exactly what they think. <laughs> so, 
So I when when I when I when it's, I, it is hilarious. To when I read this listen. story, all I could uh, all I could hear is Dave saying this <laughs> <laughs> in his best New England accent. But you would say it like this: I would be a cocksucker from the state of Maine if I told you I wasn't something else like that, huh? <laughs> I still think this mugshot book amounts to about four people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really, what I'm really, I like the state of Maine. Well, most of the people I know in the state of Maine have a mugshot, so that's all. I'm saying about that. <laughs> right, one out of three people have a mugshot. Right, so therefore, why is that a problem? This notion of uh, chivalry and decorum in politics, I think, is the biggest myth. I mean, if you go back to the the founding of our country. Uh, Aaron Burr shooting Thomas Jefferson, uh, not, not Thomas Jefferson, uh, Alexander Hamilton and killing them in a duel. Yeah. You have literally people getting in fights on the congressional floor and caning each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is this has been going on forever. This can't you just going. picture? Can't you just picture our current Congress caning each other? Can't you? Just well, the, you know that? the funny the funny thing is when we look at other countries. They still devolve into full brawls on on their wasn't it on their last year when we floor. saw the, the the guy in England jump over uh, the uh, jump over yeah. the table had to do yeah like and I'm gonna say what happened in England what happened to Harry Reid we do we really know what happened to old Harry you know he wore sunglasses for a long time <laughs> just saying. I think what once they shut those doors to their offices and they're trying to make some deals, I bet it gets a little colorful. Oh, it gets real colorful. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, probably I think, yeah, not they, a bad idea to yeah. perhaps not make the phone call or the email. Or the text. Right, there you go. Just let's have a yeah. chit chat in person. Yeah, yeah. yeah they I'll may make not. Make sure the Denny's and we'll discuss it. They may not go eight <laughs> shit on C-SPAN, but yeah. behind closed doors. Well, you you catch them all the time when they forget their mics are off on commercial breaks and all of a sudden they. Dumb motherfucker, you know, they're yelling at each other and all that. And they don't realize our mic is still on and that the sound engineer is catching and posting it. That is hilarious. They do that on purpose. Oh, that's the funny. The sound guys. Oh, well, hell yeah, they do because it's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. Makes for uh, great TV. <laughs> so, uh, the, the, the governor of Maine and his ex- expletive written voicemail. Party favor? That's a, I gotta list that as a favor. I'm a favor. <laughs> I am a favor. Uh, you know, he said exactly what he thought. God bless. I'll tell you the other thing that I think is difficult, and this is why maybe I would be very tempted to go off in the same fashion, is being called a racist is one of those, it's like being called homophobic or being called anything. You actually have no real. There's no way to defend yourself against that. You right. lose either way. Right, right, right. You know, right. if you say no, I'm not. Then you know, yeah. I have all these black friends. They're like, see, everybody says that. Yeah, you know, right. The same line. And then if you go, you say him, then well, you clearly lose. <laughs> you know? so, I mean, you clearly lost. There's no way to get around it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And again, I've talked about this before on the podcast where I have a very, very large issue where you can't even talk about race at all in this country mm. without somebody going, racist. Yeah. And uh, like you just can't have a, a discussion, period, about race without it devolving into that, the same with gay rights, same with anything. It always devolves into this. You just yeah. can't have the discussion. Yeah, so but which, which, got, which makes me sad because, I mean, this, this group uh, withstanding um, I think you're absolutely right. I think. How about this? You can't have a national conversation. No, no, about absolutely it. not. I mean, Mario and I even dress the same. Yeah, there you go. But I say, yeah, we dress is a little. But I say we found teal. Teal. <laughs> <laughs> we found, we found our teal linen. You know. Yeah. Frank has got a darker color of it. Yeah, yeah. I say you got your dark. You got your dark teal on. Raquel Welch even gave me a good look. And you all have gray on. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, this next one uh, just kind of got my goat. Uh, yeah, I, I am a, a, a big uh, proponent for fairness when it comes to, especially, uh, you know, we've had many discussions Business. on the podcast about uh, when, when things should be government run, when things shouldn't be, when businesses shouldn't overstep or overreach and when government shouldn't step overreach this happens to be a business thing 
And that's why I named this, How Much For My EpiPen? Uh, because uh, the price of a pack of EpiPens went up from $100 to almost $600. Oh, that's uh, for two of them. It, yeah, it, yeah exactly. two, so it's $300 per EpiPen. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, that's and they just, didn't have a good reason for it. No, no. It's if just you, ridiculous because there are people who need... If you fill syringe with the compound that's in the EpiPen, mm -hmm. how much do you think that cost, that that liquid that's in that syringe cost. Give, just take a wild guess. Uh, 50 cents. Yeah, I'm gonna say five bucks, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, again, I, I think, are you talking just manufacturing or the development, all the No, no, not development. What, what you actually, if you but go down to pharmacy. No, what I, I mean is that I come from a family of pharmacists. Sure, but there's inherent cost to developing the drug. It takes seven years to market. But what do you buy it for right now? Oh, oh just the drug, not the EpiPen. Not the EpiPen, just the drug. You put this, you, the EpiPen has this compound, and you stick right. it in your thigh. You know, that's right. the only place you stick it. And it injects it into you. It makes it quick for people that don't have time to load a syringe and right. stick themselves, all right? Right. Three bucks. Wow. All right. So what you're doing, you're you're totally totally buying the delivery system, okay. right? Okay. Okay. So the girl that is CEO of this company now, right, happens to be the senator mentioned from I didn't know if I say it right. The the senator from West Virginia happens right. to be his daughter. Oh. Oh. Okay. All right. She was making two million dollars a year, or one point two. I'm sorry, it was like one point two million dollars a year, and now she's making twelve million dollars a year. Jeez. So, what happened is that the other companies getting the compound in the thing, the FDA started giving them trouble about their delivery system. Mm. Mm. So she basically ended up with a monopoly. Ah. Which not should happen in the United States. We so, are a capitalist competitive system. Mm -hmm. So if the others, if the other companies do not have the ability to be approved by the FDA, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. So you tell me what type of politics went on here. It doesn't take a fool to figure this out. <laughs> no, that one seems pretty cut and dry. Yeah, that one's yeah. That this one's... was politics. Yeah, yeah. As much as you hate to say it or go back to it or look at it in any other way, this was politics. This this is this is one hand taking care of the other hand, and this is how it ended up. And of course, you know, somebody was smart enough to see it yeah. and blow it up and put it on the media thing. That that's what well, the media does good things. It's because people that were could afford it couldn't afford it anymore. Right, but the media got a hold of it and yeah. did the good thing with it. Media yeah. does bad things, media also does good things. It was yes. really a little um, annoying, too, when they first broke the story. She was like, or well, somebody from the company was like, well, you know, most insurances cover it. Okay, but then again, we go back to you're making the insurance companies pay for something. They're going to get their money back. Right. And why are our costs escalating? Yeah. Yeah. escalating. We go, there you go. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Mean you should. Right. As, as, you know, in, in my construction business, you guys have heard me say this a hundred times. I run a legitimate business. I do things right. I don't cheat. I'm always out underbid by people that cheat. Well, I got a particular builder out there right now who called me up today to say that his main carpenter is getting audited and he hasn't been doing business right and he's probably going to be out of business and now he's got a whole bunch of houses to build and then wants to know how many crews I can give him. Ah. <laughs> Did you tell him none? What goes around comes around. Did you well, say you can sell me your business? So, <laughs> you know, well, you have to pay my price, but, but my price will be a fair price. All I've ever wanted in business is a fair profit. I work hard, I pay my men well, I perform a good service, I deserve to be paid a fair profit. Bottom line. And, and, and these companies should operate in the same way. There we go. And each, each company, each place you are in business allows you to make a certain amount of money. So if you have a service that's above everybody else's, you make a little more money. 
and on back down again. But we all have our tiers of what we're going to make. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's a foul? Yeah, uh, I'm going to say... Huge foul. And I'm going to say that that's probably a party foul. I'd say it's definitely a party foul. Yeah, are we in agreement? I don't know. Absolutely. Party foul? No other way to look at it, especially after hearing the explanation. You'll get my backup on that every time. It's hard. I'm, a, I'm all about good, honest, hard-working business. Right. So that is a party file. Um, I, I cannot remember if I mentioned in a, in a former podcast, but I did want to briefly mention about the earthquake victims in Italy. Um, uh, 290 people killed. Um, we got whole towns left ruined. They just had a state funeral that um, they had like 35 or six caskets in one funeral. And, um, you know, I, uh, that is obviously uh, a huge party foul. And I just want to say from the Law Party Podcast, we are sending out prayers uh, to, to all of the families and everybody affected uh, over in Italy. So uh, collectively, I'm pretty sure we can all say that's a party foul. Um, so, but I want to something that I think might be a party favor. Um, there's a team pilot uh, that won that won the world record for an around the globe solo trip. Um, his name's 18. He's 18 years old, and uh, Lachlan Smart is his name. Um, and he touched down in Eastern Australia on Saturday, and he became the youngest person to fly. Um, a fly solo in a single engine aircraft around the world. Wow. And uh, awesome. I thought that was huge favor. A huge favor. And uh, just think what that young man could conquer the rest of his life. Absolutely. I was you just, know, you, you've taken that challenge early on, such early on in life, you can conquer a lot. And I'm all about young people that conquer themselves. And that's what life for me is all about conquer ourselves and myself every day. Yeah, that's remarkable. That's great. Yeah, so it was definitely uh, it was definitely something that I saw that I was like, oh wow, that's pretty cool. So I was just thinking, at 18, uh, I was doing uh, nothing constructive. <laughs> I was trying to stay out of jail. <laughs> Basically, that was about it. I was trying to stay out of jail, trying to stay out of trouble. I was about the size of it at 18. Uh, and this 18-year-old kid's flying around, around the world. That was a total that. failure. Yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking that is pretty impressive. Um, and last but not least, uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, and uh, his sit stance uh, to the uh, national anthem uh, during uh, during one of the games, and he, of course, was saying that. Um, He's um, standing or sitting for the um, injustices that are going on um, with uh, police shootings and uh, mistreatment of uh, African Americans in today's society. And I want to know what the group thought about that. It looks like Brian is chomping at the bit. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, I don't know that I'm chopping a bit. I just, I, I just find, find it interesting. You know, that's. <clears throat> we were talking about this earlier, and I, I was thinking this the same thing uh, that you were, anonymous female, that you were mentioning, which was. You know, you, you may have issues with how things are going, but you don't really seem to have a problem pulling a check from, from how the system here works. And so I think, I think if you. Trying to think of a good way to put this, you know, we're—I think we all agree that there are issues happening right now, and there are better ways to take a stance, no pun intended, against it, uh, than during the national than, than anthem. During the national anthem, because you know, I don't know that's to me that's it's almost doing more harm than good, right? I mean, you're, you're you got to be there to support. It's almost to me. It's almost like giving up. 
as like, ah, there's no turning back, so I'm not going to support anything about it. And it's it's like, no, you know, we got to work together towards making this better, whatever issues you have, and bring it up a different way than, it seems kind of immature. Actually, it seems very immature. I don't I, agree with it. You know, I, I was trying to, earlier, when I was, uh, putting the podcast together I was really thinking about the 60s and early 70s when you did have a lot of um, athletes that were um, taking stances during the civil rights movement and so to me this it seems as if (coughs) excuse me that that's that's his intent but I don't know if this was the way to protest it. You know, I think there's, there's, I think there are other ways to lend your voice. There's other ways to lend your time. There's other ways to lend your talent. I can't remember um, a player during the civil rights era that did a lot of heavy protesting. But I can't remember a player that wouldn't stand for the national anthem. So you go back to the Olympics. Um, I, yes, I can't remember what they called that statue. The 1968 Olympics in Mexico yeah. City. But they yeah. they but, did the fist in the air. They the had the fist. unity of yeah. you know nations or whatever they had on their. But they still stood and still sang the national anthem. Yeah, yeah, that, and that, which is the reason that I say there there are other ways. There are better ways. Um, I can't say that uh, that I'm sure. <coughs> excuse me. That I'm sure Colin will hear this, but if you do, um, uh, standing with your fist in the air, power to the people, is a much more effective protest uh, and will incite less um, uh, rancor than sitting uh, for the national anthem. Mm-hmm. I I. I know he has the right to do it, but but, start. but is but is it the right thing to do? I guess that's my question to the table. Well, my my intro into that is he has as an American every right to do that. It is a free country to express yourself, whichever way you choose to express yourself. But he's also an employee of the NFL. He's also being paid, uh, I believe, fourteen million a year. Signed a massive contract. Something, something like that, yes. Okay. It's a $60 million so, so now this man is being paid. And being an MU fan, I'm going to tie this into the, 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 the student five, five, uh, <coughs> five, whatever that was. I can't remember. Is that five ten, five nine? Uh-huh. Uh, protest that the, the players at MU did when they were going to boycott. It, it boils down to this. You are an employee of, of, of this team. You are a representative of that league. We have, I've never seen the league turn around and tell you that you couldn't have your opinion in your time. But you do represent the league and you need to, you know, I felt like when the, I had trouble with the Rams players when they came out with the hands up. That is, you know, you have a right to do that, but at the same time, this is the NFL, people watch it, and you need to do that on your private time. That's how I see it. Um, Colin Kaepernick is a, is a multiracial person that was adopted by a white family. You know, he has been given every opportunity in this world to succeed. And I, and I do believe that he, you know, obviously by his play, he's a flawed individual right now where he's thinking. <coughs> because you've been paid. And now you have to perform. And that's what the job is. You know, I also question his thought. Now, the one of the quotes that I found very interesting today, too, is that you got to be careful here where he's going because what didn't get quoted is that he's very upset with Hillary for and the Clinton Foundation for what she did for pay for play. That was also in his quote. Now, that never got out in the media, did it? 
nor nor will. Not that I yeah, not that I found one. It will come out in some sources. It will never come out in others. This is part of our problem. We've all discussed that not not. But you know, you need to look at a lot of different issues. He's he's kind of bagging on the cops and the things, and they make mistakes. The cops are, are people too, and they're held to a higher standard, certainly. But at the same time, are we also addressing what's really going on in in the in the, in, in the in the urban areas, the killings, that what's going on in Chicago, what's going on in Baltimore? There's the the people in in, in the in the hoods. By and large, a lot of them are pretty damn good people. And they're just trying to get by, and they're poor, and they're just trying to get by on their daily basis, and they work, and some of them work two or three jobs, trying to support their families. But you got a bunch of hoods down there dealing drugs and, and their turf and all this stuff. I would appreciate it if more, I would appreciate him more if he would have brought that up, saying that we, we have to work towards making that change. We have to enrich ourselves to be able to raise ourselves up somehow and start snitching out these guys and getting rid of them. <coughs> Those are the people that need to be incarcerated, not some guy dealing with pot. Right. These guys, these are bad dudes, lock them up. You look at them bad and they shoot your ass. Lock them up. That's what I want to see one of these guys come out and say, hey, there's this. But there's also this. But they don't say that. They're only saying this. So now you have the problem. The police aren't going to go into the neighborhoods as much because they don't want to be accused of anything. And the murder rates are skyrocketing. And that's a fact, and it has to be said. And that's the one thing beautiful about our podcast is that we can't say that to each other. We can sit here and talk to each other. We're going to yell across the table at each other. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but these are facts of life that that's hard to deny anymore. Really, this let's let the police protect the good people. Let's get the damn bad people and lock their bass asses up. And that's what he should. If he really wanted to take a stand, that's the stand he should take. Yeah. So yeah. Do, you, do you think? I, mean, I have two questions on this. Do you think? Do you think he had this plan for a while? And what do you think he's going to do on the next game? It, to me, it seems like a spur of the moment thing. You know, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that he would have planned. I mean, not not you know weeks in advance, but maybe uh, you know, maybe you know, you know, a couple, you know, maybe days, maybe you know that he knew he was going to do it. You know, and and I hope um, due to the uh, you know just the backlash that you know he's been getting. I mean, you know, I think some of it is a little ridiculous. You know, people burning his... Uh, people that go off the chart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people burning his jersey and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I think, you know, I think a lot of that stuff is ridiculous because, like I said, he, he has the right to protest in the way that, you know, he feels that he can or should. Um, I, my question just comes back down to, you know, I don't know if I think that this was the right... He will right suffer form. the consequences or reap the rewards from what you do. <coughs> exactly. And if you make that type of decision, then you've stuck your neck out there and you've left yourself open <coughs> to whatever those consequences and rewards are. Correct? Yeah. Correct. Chris? Yeah, I'm actually all in favor of it. I thought it was the fact that we're sitting here now talking about it meant that it was semi-effective. Uh, do I think there's better ways to... Maybe Hamlet? I don't know. But I'll tell you, you can only do what you can do. Uh, I, I do not agree with the argument of, well, he's rich, so we shouldn't, you know, he has no right to take a stance on anything. Right, and, right. And I discount his, you know, viewpoint just because he makes $60 million on his football contract. I think he's 62, actually. Yeah, over the, over the <laughs> lifetime. Guaranteed money, I believe. So, no, I, th I thought it was exceptionally effective. And, yeah, the reaction he's getting, okay, it's, it's too bad, but it just shows you how polarizing of an issue it is. Yeah. Um, and, again, my problem Which kind of gets back to what you were saying earlier about the inability to 
nationally to have real race conversations. Right. Yeah, it really right. bothers me. And again, I, I, I will go back to my disdain for the, and I guess it's not really disdain, but my biggest issue with the Black Lives Matter movement is all Black Lives Matter, so start start on with black on black crime, which is disproportionately higher, by exponentially higher than <coughs> cops killing black people for no reason. Now, I think having said that, uh, one is a governmental abuse of power. You could make the argument, and so that makes you feel helpless. And where the others are a lot of gang shootings and things like that, but. So what? They have the, if Black Lives Matter, then, then, you know, then they all, all the way around. Don't just start going, hey, there's been five incidences of cops shooting black kids this year that have been publicized, and so we're going to get all over this, and now we have a national epidemic. I don't believe that we do. You know? uh, but the fact that we are, what, four or five people sitting here in Kansas City, Missouri, talking about it, and he had the power of a national stage to do what he did and it started another yet another conversation great I am to me this is a favor and well I might not always disagree with or agree with his politics certainly um, you know I love the fact that he did it because it gets people talking again and the more conversations you can have and the more dialogue you can have about these things hopefully the better it'll be you know that part I'm all in favor of I also want to see at some point and this, and this is just coming from a white dude's perspective, so just acknowledge that. I think so many problems within the black community can be cured within the black community without pointing to other people and go, come fix all these problems. I agree. For example, if somebody commits a crime and all of a sudden nobody saw it, bullshit. I mean, come right, on. Right, right, like, right, right. you know, if I saw my neighbor shoot somebody else, I'd be like, dude, he's the one who just shot my Yeah, I'm right there. I was the guy. Yeah. You I want him gone. Yeah. I mean, like, those those are the kind of things that really disturb me on a cultural level that are hard to overcome. Yeah. So, and again, not, not growing up in the inner city, I did not, and not understanding necessarily culturally everything that um, African Americans go through, especially in, in the urban city. I will say, uh, that the murder rate has declined dramatically uh, over the last 20 years. So I don't know that we're seeing a rise in crime by any stretch. I think it's actually declined tremendously. Yeah, I think there are pockets. We've talked about just seen a recent spike in the last year. Well, I think overall it's declined. I think you're seeing a lot more attention being paid to the crimes as opposed to this is an epidemic. And I think, yes, you can make an argument that there's pockets of places where it's risen, but nationally it's gone way down. And I also think, I just watched this bizarre documentary on El Chapo. There were two brothers in Chicago who partnered up with him, and that's why there's so much it's so exciting. Yeah. It's really Mexican drugs coming into Chicago, and now you have this enormous turf war for what is billions and billions and billions of dollars of illegal drug money that literally is from El Chapo's gang. Well, actually, I've got to cut it off right there, yeah. but I think that was a good place to cut it off. Um, so... That's, uh, a fa- that's a favor valve. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I, I kind of... I'm going I'm I'm to go with that because I do think that... Uh, <laughs> The fact that the fact that he protested is a favor. I'm not 100 percent sure if I agree with how he protested, yeah, but I'm calling that a 50-50. Yeah, I, I like that we get both sides. Yeah, I'm a 50-50 on that. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a good and bad situation. <laughs> I will say the best thing that, that Dave reminded me of, and that I think is important to everybody, is just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean that it it comes without consequences for doing it. And so you know. If you're willing, yes, you have the right to do whatever you want. You also have the right to take the consequences that come along with it. Okay. And so we'll see what happens. So. All right. But the NFL does not make you stand up for the NFL, for the national anthem. It is encouraged but not required. But not required. That's true. That's when the that'll probably change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, sure, I'm sure that will change. But uh, So I've, I've got the uh, this excerpt from, um, from the I Have a Drink speech that I want to read. And... Um, uh, before we close out today's uh, podcast, and it is uh, it is obvious today, uh, and, and this is just so amazing that this was 53 years ago. 
So it is obvious today that America has defaulted on the promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. But we refuse uh, to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity in this nation. Um, and so we've come to cash this check, a check that will give us, uh, us upon demand, the riches of freedom and the security of justice. So with that, the great words of Martin Luther King, I want to end this podcast in a way I end all podcasts, and that is with the toast that, for me, started it all, and that is, to good times with good people.